0: Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Voices in Recovery is produced by Freedom's Path Recovery Society, a registered Canadian charity. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider a donation at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca. All donations go directly to assisting Freedom's Path in providing services free of charge and helps us keep the podcast going. We are grateful for any and all donations. This podcast discusses difficult topics such as childhood abuse, drug and alcohol use, sexuality, sexualized trauma, and more. If you are under the age of 18, please speak with your legal guardian prior to listening. The opinions expressed during the podcast are those of the individual, and not those of Voices in Recovery or Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcast.
1: This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika and the Black Sea in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stoney Nakoda which consists of the Bear's Pop, Morley and Chinooki. We acknowledge the Satina who are Dene, and the Métis Inuit status and non-status from all of Turtle Island and those who are visiting. We are all treated people.
0: You know, uh, Joey, I, I appreciate you coming on. It was short notice that we asked you but you, when you reached out, uh, I wish I had a job to offer yeah. you. I really do. Um,
2: yeah.
0: But this was the only thing I could offer was to no, share your amazing yeah. story. And so, yeah, take it away, Joey. Thanks for coming on.
2: <laughs> okay, we on? Yeah, we're <laughs> on. You, <laughs> you betcha. Uh, okay. I um, uh, Well, you know, I was born in Toronto. Okay, I did not I, know that. I yeah, thought you were American, yeah. actually. No. Yeah. I was born in Toronto in 1965. Okay. I'm 58. And, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a long story where it's, uh, you know, my mom, uh, she was uh, uh, married to an alcoholic Mm. abuser and uh, he, I guess, uh, wanted to control the situation and one day when I was around five, uh, I guess, uh, things got out of control at home. And basically ordered my mom to get rid of me. Mm. Get rid of me or everyone leaves. Mm. And so at that point in time, of course, I'm five. I don't know what's going on. Um, She took me to the Clark Institute in Toronto. What's that? It's a hospital, but up on the 12th floor is a mental institution. And so she abandoned me you know to the Clark Institute and uh, and that's where a lot of the problems had uh, That must have been terrifying for you, man. It was. Mm -hmm. I I remember it vividly of me you know crying and seeing her turn Mm -hmm. around and walk away and um, A heartbreak for that kid. uh?
0: A heartbreak for that kid. Yes,
2: yes and while I was there a a young adult uh, kidnapped me uh, in a room and Locked the doors where firefighters had to break through the wall and he'd beat me up at that age. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know how long after, but um, uh, they released me back to my mom. And she was living at Brahms Apartments up in Don Mills and Finch area in Toronto. And uh, I still, uh, I was now a hyperactive kid. Um, they had me on Ritalin, mm. which that wasn't the problem. It wasn't the hyperactivity. Mm-hmm. It's, I just went through a lot of trauma. Oof, incredible of trauma. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing that's happened in my life is the trauma mm. that I've experienced. And, um, so she couldn't, she couldn't handle me. Mm. And she was, uh, just starting in the field of, uh, Um, computers back then Mm -hmm. and she was learning how to type on the ribbons all the you know the information and uh, so she couldn't handle me and again I got abandoned again to what was called back then and then was shut down in 1994 because of the trauma that they had caused kids and that was the Browndale housing Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, John Brown uh, I guess started it ran it and so I was sent to Halliburton for five years. Mm-hmm. And this is where I learned to distrust adults. Mm-hmm. And um, distrust my mom and family because I kept being abandoned mm-hmm. to these places. And <clears throat> what they uh, what they did at Browndale was, and for a child of my age and the children that were there, uh, They, when you showed any kind of emotions, Mm -hmm. they'd attack you. Yeah. And what they would do is, if you had a problem in school or something Mm -hmm. was going on, they would, um, basically, I remember vividly a night where I was watching a hockey game with all the other kids, Mm -hmm. black and white, and we're all just sitting there watching hockey. And then one of the adults was clear the room. And so everyone left except for me. Now I have three adults, men mm-hmm. and women, and they start asking me questions about school mm-hmm. and what's going on. And uh, because I, now I'm afraid, because mm-hmm. I know what's coming next, mm-hmm. they're going to attack me. And what they do is they kind of pace around and walk, and mm-hmm. um, they, it, it's like lions. You know, they're they're looking for that move in order Mm -hmm. to take you down. Mm -hmm. And so what happens then is one of the adults will grab you and forcibly throw you down to the ground Mm -hmm. and sit on you and cross your arms while another adult sits on your legs. Mm -hmm. If you're an older adult, three adults will Mm -hmm. sit on that older adult. And then what they'll do is they'll start yelling in your face, and spittle will come out. And you can mm. see the, you know, just the anger, in anger in them. Yeah. And it's why is this, you know, to me why is this, you know, happening? Wow. And so this is where I gained a fear mm. of adults, and this is where I started closing up on my emotions mm. and not letting anybody show or me show anybody emotions. Mm. And talk to them about what's going on because I was fearful of being attacked. Mm-hmm. So you would not I, want
0: to be vulnerable.
2: No, no. You know, and it's uh, and this is where I learned how to survive without emotions mm-hmm. and without telling people how I feel. Yeah. And I shut all that down at a young age, and that was one of the biggest problems growing up, is mm-hmm. I could never confide in anybody. Mm. I could never talk with anybody about what's going on and if I did they I felt that they thought I was lying Mm. and so I just became that person a liar Mm. Uh, a liar a thief a murderer and everything else that went along with that Mm. as I was growing up. So I left uh, the Browndale system at age 11 and got sent back home with my mom now. Uh, after all I've been through, and she experienced the same thing, so did mm-hmm. my brother. They went up there one year uh, to a camp, because every year at Browndale, they would put us all in the forest, and we'd stay out there for three months, mm-hmm. and we'd live out there in built-up little shacks mm-hmm. And uh, to save energy. I don't know what the why they did this, but um, they came up one summer, and... Uh, Um, they cornered them and threw them on the ground and attacked them basically the way they did to me. And they never came back. Of course not. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And uh, so what I did was I basically became a rabbit. I Mm. ran. Mm. I ran from everything in life, ran from my problems, ran from my home. So Mm. when I returned home, Uh, I started running the streets of Toronto. My mom would go to work, Mm. I'd sleep all day. By the time she got home, I'd already be out on the streets, Mm. running around, uh, knowing what was in everybody's garage or uh, where where they left their keys, Uh, I was breaking into houses all around the area and uh, it was just uh, my way of life for, you know, from Mm -hmm. age 11. Eighteen. Uh, I went to Three Eleven Jarvis on many occasions. Uh, caused a lot of trouble at Three Eleven Jarvis, which is a, a detention center for mm-hmm. juveniles. Okay. I've been to the Don Jail East Detention Center, and mm. um, so my name was synonymous with you know the court mm-hmm. system in Toronto. Yeah, and. Uh, Yeah, it's, uh, it was just years of, um, loneliness and Mm -hmm. survival and learning from others on the streets, uh, how to steal cars, Mm -hmm. how to break into houses, how to fence the items I'd stolen. And, uh, it's, uh, and then at the age of 18, actually I was sent to, uh, uh, I was at Slaps Youth Center Mm -hmm. for about a year and it was in Oakville, Ontario okay. and uh, I was sent there ordered by the courts to go there. Well, I had ran away on a day pass, uh, my first day pass and basically uh, escaped at a mall and uh, three months later I was at my mom's apartment and I was working and uh, detectives were at the door. And so my mom had called them thinking that Youth Center would let me go and everything would be okay. I could return home because I was working and doing good. Well, I knew that wasn't gonna happen. Mm -hmm. And so I got back there and uh, plotted and planned to escape and I attacked a a staff member there and hurt him really bad and I was sent to Penetanguishing Mental Institution mm-hmm. for the Criminally Insane. Okay. And I spent a year there and I was with uh, mass murderers, Russell Johnson, mm-hmm. Peter Woodcock, people that... <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you don't want to hang out with them. No. And no. at 16 years of age, mm-hmm. here I was back in a, a situation mm-hmm. now that uh, you know, I was just... Yeah, a mental institution for the Kremlin. Say, mm-hmm. not even the inmates or guys, you know, in jail wanted to go to that place. Yeah. And here I was sent there. Mm-hmm. So my life was on that track, and mm-hmm. I didn't know how to get off that train. And about within a, a, about a year and a half later, I was still getting in trouble, and uh, I was a Broadview and Danforth, and I was with my girlfriend Doreen. And we were at a donut shop, uh, we were on LSD, and we were playing Pac-Man, my brother and I, and mm-hmm. a friend. And all of a sudden, three guys come walking in with their girlfriend, one of their girlfriends, or whatever, and, um, my girlfriend came over and said, I'm going to the car to get some change. And so she started walking out, and one of the Guy said, ooh, look at the ass on her. Mm. I said, excuse me, my girlfriend. Don't mm. talk to her. you know, like that, please. You know, Canadian, i was still polite. Mm. And uh, the guy at the end had said, uh, your girlfriend, huh? Well, let's all fuck her. Excuse my language. No, but no, you're okay. Yeah. It's, um, you know, and he started walking down the street after her. My brother grabbed a, a sugar bottle, mm. uh, one of those sugar containers, Mm -hmm. Uh, ran out and jumped up and hit him in the head with it. So a big fight broke Mm -hmm. out. And, uh, it's, um, I ended up stabbing one of the guys Mm -hmm. in the stomach. Um, Mm -hmm. I, he was in the, the front of the car and, uh, one of the guys was in the front of the car and, um, I was yelling to my girlfriend, smash him, smash Mm -hmm. him, run him into the other, you know, car and because mm. he's getting the license plate, and it was just a horrible situation, mm. and that's where I went on the run. Mm. And so, three weeks uh, later, I was hiding out at friends' places. Uh, the officers, cops, were at my mom's place trying to find me. She was terrified. Um, life just was now mm. uh, escape. So I dyed my hair, my friend Pete, uh, sold his MGB, and we decided we were gonna go down to uh, California. Mm. And uh, we took a bus uh, one night from Toronto, Greyhound, uh, to Windsor, Detroit, and we were gonna go across, and mm. uh, that bus was supposed to take us all the way, I believe. But uh, we got turned back at the border, and. Us, uh, because we didn't have an actual place that we were going mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in San Diego and we looked young. So mm-hmm. it was kind of no go. But we took a taxi, uh, we took another bus to uh, Buffalo, New York and we took a taxi across the, uh, uh Rainbow Bridge mm-hmm. and back then you could do it without really any ID
1: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah,
2: and all you had to do was just tell them, yeah, we're going over a bar called mm-hmm. the library. Okay. and it was an actual bar called the library so we did go to the library <laughs> we had a few drinks and then went to uh, uh the bus station in buffalo and from there we took a 7 day bus ride to san diego
0: wow that'd be a long cool trip across the country yeah.
2: well uh, well was, under different it, circumstances it, yes yes it was uh yeah. we were we were basically high all the way there on mm-hmm. benny's 2020s and yeah. Uh, just drugged out all the way there. So yes, we got to LA and uh, well we got to San Diego and went to Mission Beach and toured around San Diego for a minute and then went to Hollywood. Mm. And then uh, up to Hollywood and met some bikers there and started selling uh, or uh, Mm. buying TVs, stereos with checks. Mm-hmm. And we were selling them at a bar called the, called the uh, Clown's Bar in Hollywood Boulevard, mm-hmm. so we started getting in the mix of the Hollywood scene mm-hmm. and drugs and selling drugs and collecting money and doing mm-hmm. you know criminal things, stuff, criminal criminal activity, and uh, so uh, one of the guys, one of the biker guys, he wanted to uh, go across. And go into Canada, so he was able to get a car um, out of the newspaper. One of those drive my car across oh, the country, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll pay you. Yeah. So, basically, he took the car and we drove across the country and got back to Buffalo, you know, Buffalo, and New York. And uh, uh, we were at a hotel, and both of those guys, my friend and him, I couldn't go back. So they went back into uh, they went into uh, Canada, and uh, I was left there in Buffalo. So that's where I met some uh, young drifters. Mm-hmm. They had a place, and uh, the the kid who was running you know the show, basically I kind of upgraded him because I was doing some burglaries and. Mm-hmm. Uh, placing uh, items in the house that people needed, stereo, TV, yeah. you know, bringing the things in that they you know, could use. So he got jealous and uh, called the police on me and uh, they came to try and, well they did, they took me to the police station but they couldn't find anything on me. Mm. I had my friend's ID from Toronto and uh, so there wasn't any warrants, wants or mm-hmm. anything. So I wasn't uh, sent back, I was let go, and that's when I started hitchhiking, you know, through uh, the United States, Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, so I hitchhiked through the United States and um, Oklahoma and all the I slept in front of churches Mm -hmm. and uh, in the middle of winter. Mm -hmm and slept under bridges at 14 below zero and got rides back then you could hitchhike and people mm-hmm. would pick you up so it wasn't yeah. a big deal Yeah. and uh, so I got to Amarillo Texas and worked at a mission uh, for a dollar a day and uh, that was enough to buy a pack of cigarettes and uh, after about three months working at the mission in Amarillo I decided well you know I gotta go. Mm. I gotta move on, and so, because a lot of the hobos came into the mission, Mm. I got to learn a lot about the freight trains. Yeah, I was gonna say, the trains were pretty big down there, (laughs) yeah. And so, I uh, got all the details about how to jump the trains, and uh, took a seven-day freight train ride from Amarillo uh, to Denver, hopped Mm. another train from Denver, went up through the Colorado Rockies Mm -hmm. to Salt Lake, Salt Lake to Vegas, Vegas back to L.A., and uh, started meeting every kind of person mm-hmm. that I could meet, you know, just to try and stay alive. I tried working. Uh, I didn't want that criminal life. Uh, mm-hmm. I just didn't, uh, you know, I was tired. Uh, I didn't, uh, you know, I was homesick. Uh, I was just lost. Mm-hmm. And so I... Uh, I just got in, you know, the wrong people again Mm -hmm. and uh, went to try and, uh, you know, collect some money and uh, got into a big argument with the person and ended up beating him to death. Mm. And this was in 1984. Wow, man. It's heavy. And so I fled Mm -hmm. Los Angeles and uh, I was found in uh, Illinois, Chicago. Mm. Uh, about a week later. And so I was driving a stolen car and uh, I was actually with a a young lady uh, that night. I had seen her walking distressed uh, Mm. and I stopped to talk with her and invited her to go for dinner. And surprisingly, she said yes. And Mm. here I was on the run, but I was just trying to get some Normal, mm-hmm. something going on. Of course. And um, that must so we, have been in a crazy time. It, it was. Yeah. It was. It was scary. I had visions of my victim mm-hmm. standing in the roadway. Mm-hmm. Um, I. It was. It was a horrible mm-hmm. uh, nightmare. Uh, I knew what I'd done. Yeah. Uh, I had an opportunity to stop, but I was so angry. Mm-hmm you know, at life, that he just became a victim. Yeah. He didn't deserve to die. No. You know, he was just the person there at the wrong time, Mm. and I just unleashed all the anger that I had had, um, you know, with my life. So... uh, and uh so we had went to dinner and um i was using a stolen credit card and uh, it didn't go through Mm. and so of course the waiter comes to me and says "Um, credit card didn't go through and so i said well you know i have a checkbook out in the car Mm. and i didn't but uh got to the car and uh the waiter comes out to the car and says, I can't find my checkbook. And so um, I said, I'll have to come back tomorrow and pay for it. Mm-hmm. But they had already been in touch with the police. Mm-hmm. And so I left and um, I was able to get her home. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I pull out of her driveway and I head towards the four way intersection, there's a cop there. Mm-hmm. And I like straighten up and I'm thinking, mm-hmm. okay, just go around him. If he turns around, go. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went around him. Sure enough, he pulls around the corner and now he's following me. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, if the lights come on, uh, go, lights come on, I pull over, mm. put my head on the steering wheel, and I'm hearing uh, from a bullhorn, get out of the car, get out of the car, and uh, after I come out of my little days, mm. every officer in Illinois seemed to be around me mm-hmm. with rifles, and yeah, yeah, so...
0: Wow, that must have been terrifying.
2: Huh.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, well, not just the the Ooh. fact that Oh, it's okay. Not just the fact that the police all showed up, but the fact that you're in your mind, you know what's happened and yes. you know what's going on. That to me that would just be like overwhelming. Yeah. And no wonder you had to take a minute, put your head on the wheel. That's Yeah, that's intense. Yeah.
2: So I spent uh I uh went to uh, Illinois County Jail. They put me on death row. Mm. Um, to keep me away from everybody and uh, the Los Angeles police came to get me Mm -hmm. and uh, I was sent back to L.A. and I was put uh, in L.A. County Jail which is a 12,000 man you know facility Mm -hmm. 10,000 probably 12 yeah but I mean it was just at my age Mm -hmm. you know of 18. And wow. some of the most crazy terrifying individuals, you know, that you could, you know, be around. Mm. And I was a stupid kid back then. I was telling black jokes mm. in the tank. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, tell a white joke. And mm. I wasn't racist, but I was just thinking that was... Okay. People made those jokes back then, though. People made yeah. People made jokes yeah. back then. And I had this one kind of marine guy... I said, hey, look, I'd cool down and then jokes. I said, well, tell me a white joke. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm I'm not racist. I'm just Mm -hmm. telling jokes. They just happen to be. Mm -hmm. um, So I learned a little bit from that. Mm -hmm. And um, when you're in for murder, you know, people tend to not uh, try to provoke something with you, anyways. And uh, so I got entered into that. uh, facility and I got beat down by guards mm. um, for an orange because uh, you can't take food back from the dining hall oh, okay. and when uh, he caught me with mine basically I rose up against him and mm. he tried putting me in a chokehold and I flipped him over mm. and then in LA County Jail uh, guards come out from areas you'd never thought had doors I would imagine. And, and they yeah. had flashlights probably about a foot and a half long back then. Baton heavy metal, yeah. And they would beat you with them. Yeah. And so I was in the hospital for a little while. And uh, I finally got sentenced in uh, June of 1984. I mean, 85, uh, sorry. My crime happened in 84. And I was ordered... Uh, uh, to prison, fifteen years to life, seventeen years and fourteen months to life, mm-hmm. but you do the two years four months before you do your life sentence. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, so I was sentenced to that. I got sent to the California Department of Corrections mm-hmm. um, because I didn't want to go to the youth authority, mm-hmm. and that's when my life in prison started. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, uh, it started uh, in a way where you pull into a prison, and you are checked in by other inmates. Mm. They take your picture, they've got your file, they know why you're there. You're not a rapist or a child mm. molester, so basically, you're free to walk the line and make mm. your way you know, through the system. And, uh, it's, yeah, it's a scary, you know, intimidating environment, uh, where people, uh, if you're not, um, if you're, if you're weak, Mm. you know, they smell it right at the beginning Mm. and people are going to come out of the woodwork to, uh, try you Mm. and, uh, So I, because I was a lifer, I got with many lifers Mm -hmm. that were in prison and they schooled me. They knew I was Canadian. I have Canadian pride on the back Mm -hmm. of my arms and they schooled me on how to be a lifer. Mm -hmm. And back when I went in, the lifers ruled the prisons Mm -hmm. because they had all the best jobs. Uh, They were the ones that kept everything in check. Mm -hmm and uh, so I got in with a, a good bunch of men. Mm. Uh, I battled with a lot of these men, you know, against other races and mm. other people to, um, you know, stand our ground. Mm. And uh, I've been to uh, Ad Sagan the security housing unit, for mm. years, which are lockdown units, mm. uh, where you only get out an hour a day. Yeah. I tried to escape from prison three times. Mm. That's because I didn't care whether I was killed or, mm. uh, and that made me a, a threat to the system. Of course. Because I didn't care. Mm. They didn't care whether you stabbed somebody, killed somebody, mm. uh, but if you try to escape, that's where a warden can get fired. Mm-hmm. So I didn't, I wasn't thinking about all of that. I just wanted out. Yeah. I wanted my freedom, and basically it was uh, uh, just a, a nightmare day mm-hmm. after day after day. Uh, I went to the yard every day, uh, and attending yard is mandatory. Mm. It's where it doesn't matter what's happening, you attend yard. If you don't attend yard, you get penalized, mm. and it depends. Yeah, excuse me, it depends on. You know the infraction, what you get penalized mm-hmm. for. You know, if you don't wear your boots, you can be penalized because your boots, basically, you know, you have to you have to go strapped up, you have to mm-hmm. go prepared. Uh, back then, uh, you you know, if you go in the battle, you you know, uh, tape uh, mm-hmm. National Geographics to your body mm-hmm. uh, to avoid being stabbed, and it's. Uh, you know the the mentality in there, if you think a mental institution you know is is bad, mm-hmm. where you have four or five thousand men with uh, problems mm-hmm. you know that are going on within them, and you have to monitor this, you have to go out to the yard and mm-hmm. you have to uh, I was very active in being aware of what was going on around me. Mm-hmm. Who well, was I imagine the, you'd have to be. Yes, right? yeah. Yeah. Yes. You, you have to be truly aware. I had a lot of respect. Mm. Um, a lot of people, I could never be a shot caller, not that I wanted to, but I could never be a shot caller because I wasn't uh, an American. Mm. I wasn't from California. I wasn't from one of the counties that were in California, mm. but I had a lot of respect from a lot of the men there because I, I was a thinker. Mm. You know, I, I tried to think things out and tried to rationalize situations uh, to try and get the best result for everybody. Mm. And uh, I still stay in contact with a lot of these guys today. Mm who are all out and doing good. Mm -hmm. But we've gone through uh, um, something that most people could never, you know, understand. No, I can't even imagine uh, that. So um, basically, you know, to, you know, go through a lot of this, um, I spent 33 years in prison.
1: Mm.
2: And I went in in 19, my crime happened in 84. I got out in 2017, I was at 11 different prisons Mm -hmm. in California, uh, from uh, San Quentin, Folsom, Pelican Mm -hmm. Bay, Soledad, uh, Calipatria, the Mm -hmm. list goes on, Corcoran. uh, The list goes on to the places I'd been, and- Dark uh, places too, Yes. dark places, yeah. Very violent, so I was at Corcoran Shoe, In 1995, and guards were killing inmates on the yards back then. Mm. You know, they were setting up uh, gladiator fights. Oh, Jesus. And so, and it it was. And all the guards that were involved with this all got off. Mm. Because of the Mm. unions back then, you know, that protected them Mm. all from basically setting us up and killing us.
0: God, we have just, I had such a terrible time with this stuff, eh? Yeah whether it's like prisons or mental institutions, we just treat people like shit.
2: Yeah. yeah. And it's uh, and that was their fun. Yeah. That was their games. And they even had their own uh, prison gang called the green wall. Mm. So but basically I, I did my thing, mm-hmm. you know, I sold drugs, I sold cell phones, I sold tobacco. I did the things that I did to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived in there like I was going to die in there. Mm. And so I made a life for myself, accepted the consequences of what I did. I mm. uh, wrote out my shoe term or my ad seg term or, um, and then got put back on the yard and just went with the program mm. again. But, um, you know, there's there's a time where you, you don't want that anymore. Mm. And so my time came after 28 years. So um, back, uh, I, was, uh, I was at a prison uh, called Solano and uh, I knew I was going to San Quentin. Mm. And uh, so I had met somebody there and he wanted to stay in touch with me because I was an artist, he was an mm. artist and uh, he uh, said that he was going to have somebody send me a letter. So I finally got a letter from uh, uh, this guy, Rudy, and uh, the person who sent it was Aretta, and she was acting as the go-between. Mm. But when Rudy had told me that uh, uh, he's got a good you know, good woman that will uh, send the you know, letter to me, uh, I immediately turned around and I said, I wish I had a good woman like that. Mm. Well, it just so happens it turned out three months later that good woman was coming to visit me. Mm. Yes, and uh, um, Aretta Mitchell, uh, we married after uh, five year, four years. Uh, she came every weekend to San Quentin to visit me. Wow. Uh, she let me know that I deserve to be free. Mm. And, uh, I had never met somebody like this mm-hmm. where she, you know, and, uh, just, just an amazing mm-hmm. person that would take her time. She drove an hour and a half wow. every weekend, sometimes twice a weekend mm-hmm. to come and see me at San Quentin yeah. and every weekend, uh, after a long week of whether I was working or Whatever I was doing, I just looked forward mm-hmm. to my peace of mind and getting out of that insanity mm-hmm. uh, just for those hours that we'd sit across from each other, sit beside each other and mm-hmm. eat breakfast and lunch. And, um, you know, she encouraged me. She let me know that, uh, you know, what I do was a horrible thing, but that doesn't define me. Mm-hmm. And that... Um, Uh, she was very surprised that I didn't go insane in there, Mm -hmm. and, um, but, uh, yeah, she is... I bet it's surprising when, when anyone doesn't go insane in there. Yeah. Yeah. And people do. Yeah, Uh, I imagine. I've had a lot of friends, uh, kill themselves. Mm. You know, I even thought about it. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to on several occasions, uh, you just want that release because that's mm-hmm. not a way of life uh, to live. But sometimes, you know, that hope comes, okay, mm-hmm. just another day, you just keep yeah. going, yeah. you know, another day. And so, uh, yeah, she, uh, 7 7 13 was when she came to visit me in San Quentin. And it was the most amazing day mm-hmm. um, just to have somebody, you know, come in. And she really wanted to get to know me because she saw in my letters to Rudy something mm-hmm. different. Yeah. That this this guy was not the normal. My cursive writing, mm-hmm. my education, um, and she wanted to know me. Yeah. And before she came up, basically, I sent her all my paperwork. Uh, this look, this is the scumbag you want to come and see. Mm. Because I always believe that, you know, even though I've done a lot of dishonest things, somebody wanting to get to know me needs to know me. Mm-hmm, for sure. Just like when, you know, I we've reached out and talked mm-hmm. with each other. I wanted you to know me through, you know, a little of my past, a little of my future, you know, and to be honest with you about who mm-hmm. I am. And I really think that that is, uh, the most important for me out mm-hmm. here, is to be honest with people, yeah. to let them know who I was, mm-hmm. but that's not my defining moment. Mm-hmm. You know, Today, I live a good life. But she is the one that taught me and helped me mm-hmm. generate this within me, yeah. because I had no strength in that. My mind was locked in mm-hmm. to a world of violence and, mm-hmm. um, you know, your best friend will stab you and mm-hmm. kill you in there if it comes down to it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, and this is the system that I was in for that long, is I started to regroup, start to program, mm-hmm. uh, start taking every program that was available mm-hmm. in there was in Buddhist meditation for five years, oh, right. started going to church, started to try and find, you know, who mm-hmm. it is I am. And um, how do I work to become a better person? Mm-hmm. And it's it, it's a hard road. No doubt. It's not a very easy road to change, you know, mm-hmm. from that life uh, into becoming a human being because I never mm-hmm. thought myself as a human being. Mm-hmm. And to be somebody who can sympathize, yeah. empathize, and mm-hmm. uh, be of uh, service to others, mm-hmm. that wasn't me. Yeah. And uh, so I think she saw in me that when i when we first uh, started communicating with each other that i was selfless mm-hmm. cuz i want nothing from her mm-hmm. i had nothing and how 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 do you want to be with somebody that has nothing mm-hmm. you know so and here i have nothing but yes she kept coming mm-hmm. and so that just kept encouraging me because I was abandoned very young. Mm -hmm. And every time she'd come to visit, we'd always have a little, you know, something we would do. Mm -hmm. I'd go like, you know, Mm -hmm. give her a blower kiss, tap my heart, and uh, Mm -hmm. throw her a half heart. And she'd do that back. But every time she left the visiting room, I always wondered if she'd come back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that was the hardest thing. No doubt. Not knowing if she'd ever come back every time. Mm And uh, she did, mm-hmm. and she kept coming back. And so, what about uh, about a year and a half in, I'd already had five parole hearings. And I was telling her, I'm not going to my parole hearing. They're not gonna let me out. Mm-hmm. Because it can go on for three, four, or five hours. Mm-hmm. And uh, a parole hearing is uh, uh, one of the most hardest, uh hearings at any I, I get it. I understand why they want to know that you're rehabilitated and you're mm-hmm. ready for society. They have a duty to protect us you know society. Mm-hmm. And but I I couldn't I could not look at myself. Mm-hmm. I could not be honest with myself and how could I be honest with them if I couldn't be honest with myself? And so she said, look, you have to go up. You have to try. And uh, I went up. But prior to that hearing, and this is one of the things that I had learned from it, is I got a 128. So it was Thanksgiving Day in America. And I want to call Loretta and wish her Happy Thanksgiving. So you have a bank of phones at San Quentin on the walls, you know, probably about 12 phones. Mm-hmm. And you have to sign up the night before. Well, I didn't sign up. The phone booths were empty. I just went in and got on it. Well, there was an officer up on the second tier walking by. And I seen him, and he was looking right at me. And he comes down, he says, let me see your ID. I didn't have my ID on, on me. And uh, he goes, oh, you signed up. I said, no, officer, I'm not. He goes, okay, you're going to be getting a 128. So 128 is an informative chrono that you broke a rule. And if you get a second one of those, then uh, you get a 115. Okay. And I had plenty of 115s throughout my years uh, for uh, serious rule violations. And uh, this is a 128. So I go up to my parole hearing, and they bring up this 128. They gave me a five-year denial for getting on the phone, Mm. calling her. I had to go back, get on the phone, and tell her I got a five-year denial Mm. for getting on the phone, talking to her. And they said the reason why is because if you can't follow the rules in here, how are you going to follow them out there? Mm. Perfect sense. Yeah. Perfect sense. But it's these little things that they don't tell you Mm -hmm. every time. Yeah. They don't lay out what you need to do every time Mm -hmm. you go up to the parole. They only give you bits and pieces. So I doubled down and just started, uh, giving my all to rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. Uh, I started mentoring men in there, started talking the truth about me and my mm-hmm. past and my life and not being afraid to share because I was doing it with Aretta. Mm-hmm. Then I started to do with a, a Catholic uh, priest and then I started opening up because I, I couldn't open up to people. Yeah. And not being able to communicate to others mm-hmm. what's going on inside of you is a detriment and that's what was my problem. Mm-hmm. Is I couldn't share with people how I was feeling. Yeah, and so she helped me get over that, and then I, little bit by little bit, I started opening up more and more mm-hmm. and more. And uh, one of the most amazing uh, articles because I was involved with Kid Cat, mm-hmm. which is because uh, I was considered a juvenile at the time of my crime yeah. uh, of eighteen, and. Uh, That's one of the reasons why I was released, is because I was able to go in there. So, backing up a little bit, so I work twice as hard now, Mm -hmm. and I got back to see the parole uh, board Mm -hmm. instead of five years, two years. Okay. And so, on February uh, uh, 12th, 2017, after 33 years of being in prison, because I was 100% honest with these... Two um, uh, board members; uh, they granted me my parole, mm. and uh, I cried my eyes out. No doubt, it was a release. Wow! But I still wasn't released until. June 9th mm. because all the paperwork had to go it had to go through the governor mm-hmm. of California and uh, so I was on eggshells mm-hmm. from February until June I bet and um, <clears throat> but I was able to call Loretta oh the guards because they knew the change in me mm-hmm. when I came into the building they were all in the you know, a little, their little area on the uh, first floor. And as I came in, they were like, and I was like, mm. they uh, clapped for me. Right on. Yeah.
0: That's a huge change, man. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, uh, and then I asked, can I get on the phone? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was able mm. to call Loretta and, uh, we actually had married at San Quentin on May twelfth.
0: Oh wow!
2: Yes. Okay. Yeah, we uh, uh, we married because uh, one of the questions. So while about, you were waiting to get out, you got yes, married. Yes, we got nice. married. Yes. Nice. Yes. Uh, so while uh, at the parole hearing, uh, one of the, uh, the one of the things reasons you know that the parole board not only because I was completely honest, but aretta for five years dedicated herself coming to see me. Mm-hmm. If you don't have family or friends or anybody that does something like that, the mm-hmm. board, and plus I was returning to Canada. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was like, well, if you get out, are you still gonna marry You know this woman? I said, we already have plans to marry before I get out. Mm-hmm. Does it, I told them it doesn't matter what happens today. Mm-hmm. I'm still marrying her. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, uh, her, uh, her meemaw was there, her mom was there, uh, a couple of best friends were there, a bunch of fellows from the inside were uh, at my wedding. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we got married. Uh, and uh, her daughter, uh, Theris firstborn, Nita, mm-hmm. was there between us while we got married. Oh, wow. Yeah, cool. so life had, uh, life had changed. No doubt. Um, from all of that, uh, you know, to where you know I was with her at that moment, mm. being married, um, and it's uh, I was I was still on eggshells because I didn't know when they were coming to get me, mm. and all of a sudden, uh, so after that, uh, I was coming back from. Um, I was coming back from uh, the vocational edge because I was a plumber at San Quentin. Mm. And uh, I got back to my building and I heard the security squad was looking for me. <laughs> I was like, okay, not good. Mm. You don't want these guys looking for you yeah. for any reason. Um, so I went in. Uh, a security squad housing area was right outside North Block, right by death row. And uh, um, I go in and they pat me down, take everything out of my pockets. And I'm like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Well, a nice agent was there to see me, an mm-hmm. immigration custom enforcement. Yeah. So that was basically the solidification that I was you know, going to be uh... Mm-hmm. release very soon yeah. and so they had a warrant for my arrest and uh... on June 9th uh... I went down to R&R which is receiving a release and uh... got changed out into my parole clothes that Aretta had got and sent for mm-hmm. me and I had a belt on and I had real... yeah real clothes mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh... I hopped in a uh, federal van and uh, went out the Sallyport gates of mm-hmm. San Quentin and taken over to uh, San Francisco and booked in to uh, Immigration Custom and Enforcement, so I knew I was free, but not free. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spent One step t- closer, eh? Yes, it was uh, one step closer. I spent 52 days in the Sacramento County Jail mm. in an ICE unit, a Redis from Sacramento. So she came twice a week to see mm-hmm. me, and uh once we found out uh when I was uh being uh sent back, uh her and her mom made the trek up to Canada wow to Vancouver yeah,
0: that's pretty powerful stuff man yeah,
2: yeah. but it took her uh because she had a past, she used to sell drugs back mm-hmm. in the days, and yeah. Uh, she'd been in trouble, but she turned her life around, mm-hmm. and uh, she did it all for her kids to make sure she kept them. And mm-hmm. um, she—it uh, took her like four hours to get through the border, and she mm-hmm. had to explain to the border guards uh, my past, and mm-hmm. I'm the only—that she's the only one, you know—that you know can help me in mm-hmm. Canada because I had nobody here. Yeah. I didn't get released like all the other lifers and people in California, you know, to parole and uh, to a halfway house mm-hmm. or a reentry program. I'm just getting thrown right back into my country. Yeah, so I'm very thankful that uh, they let her in. Mm-hmm. They gave her six months uh, temporary citizenship, and um, uh, I spent three days with her and her mom over in Vancouver. We. I uh, went to a few places and mm. ate at a Chinese buffet and um, it was scary. I didn't know how to do certain things mm-hmm. and uh, I spent seven hours at the airport waiting for her and it was just, I had nothing, I uh, told a, a lady named uh, Joan a little bit of my situation. I'm waiting on my wife but I have no money and mm-hmm. um, she gave me ten dollars to... Go to Tim's and mm-hmm. ordered a black coffee and um, a cheese bagel. Yeah. <laughs> I was worried about spending money, mm-hmm. and uh, but I watched the world go around in that airport wow. of uh, you know uh, kids hugging their dads mm-hmm. and moms and I must have been something else, man. Yeah, families. Yeah, and then. Yeah, later on that night she came in mm. and uh, best person I'd ever seen. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, and uh, so yes, we uh, went to the hotel that uh, she'd booked over in Vancouver and um, I got to meet my little girls, uh, Spicy and Sugar, which were... Mm-hmm two beautiful dash hounds oh, okay. that I heard so much about mm-hmm. over five years. <laughs> and uh, they barked at me and mm-hmm. wondered who the heck I was. and uh, But we became very close. Mm-hmm. And uh, I still have uh, Spice today. Oh, okay. She's 12, we had to put oh. sugar to sleep uh, three years ago, which oh, was sorry. the hardest thing, yeah. uh, but it was the most yeah, you know, I mean, just to have that experience with mm-hmm. her and hold her to her last breath. Mm-hmm. You know, just the love I have. Yeah. You know, for both of them. And I have three cats. Right on. And uh, I figured you had to be a cat
0: guy because you're pretty awesome, so. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and they all love me, yes. Yeah. Uh, my wife says, uh, baby girl, uh, she never she never lies on anybody or mm-hmm. likes and She just lies on me every day. And, yeah. Um, but... Yeah, we made uh, we made our way here to Calgary, and uh, you know she took everything she had, ran up her credit, and mm-hmm. uh, I just live in the Upper Mount Royal area right here, uh, right across from Twenty Sixth and Fourteenth mm-hmm. Street right there, so exactly. eight minutes We're away there. from here. Yeah, and that's uh, yeah, kind of like the best little place that we found. Uh, cool basement apartment 850 a month still hasn't changed mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I take care of the place and um, you know our landlords never come around mm-hmm. uh, but life you know life out here has definitely been challenge I've held every job you could possibly hold uh, yeah. um, out here uh, Areta was sent back to America um, we, I've been trying to sponsor her, mm-hmm. and uh, my, my crime in America interfered with that. Mm-hmm. And um, But the five years is up, and I was able to legally sponsor her, but mm-hmm. they basically denied her status and sent her back. She's been gone eight months now. Oh, I'm yeah, so, to hear that. Yes.
0: That must be tough. Yeah, Yeah. Wow, what's the what's it looking like in terms of her coming?
2: Or? Uh, well, we've already been eight, eight months. Uh, so I, and I bring that up because even though I'm free, mm-hmm. I've been living, We've been living a great life here, Crownland camping, mm-hmm. uh, seeing every site we possibly can, uh, yeah. enjoying the fruits of uh, Alberta. Mm-hmm. You know that is here, and we love Alberta. We love our home. Um, she's been gone eight months and it can still take 13 more months because she's still in the queue waiting, Mm -hmm. but, uh, we just found out because, uh, I just had a little medical problem going Mm -hmm. on with atrial fibrillation and, uh, now I'm on a little medication for that blood thinner and a heart, Mm uh, um, kind of, it just slows my heart down. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't AFib. Because uh, I was in the hospital uh, recently uh, uh, for that. and uh, But while I was going through this little health scare, her mind was solely on me mm. that she missed her deadline uh, to do her biometrics and her exam down mm-hmm. there. And Aww. she had 30 days to do it. And so now we might have to start the process all over again.
0: Oh, I'm sorry.
2: So that's the uh, that's the hardship, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that we're going through right now. But uh, you know, we also know that you know we've come through a lot. I was going to say, uh, I
0: imagine you two could make it through anything.
2: Yes, yeah. yes, we. Uh, it, it is hard. We FaceTime every day. For sure. You know, I wake up and I FaceTime her. Mm-hmm. Uh, throughout the day, I FaceTime her every uh, when she's. Uh, uh, on our break from work, we mm-hmm. FaceTime, uh, it's uh, You do what you can, right? We, we do what yeah. we can to stay in touch every day. Right on. And uh, if we, uh, we, uh, we both also have monitors in the house. So, uh, you know, security monitors. Mm-hmm. It usually, you know, faces the door, but we can actually check in on each other while we're sleeping. Okay, Just to cool. make sure everything's okay. And cool. Yeah, you know, we 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 are we are very close. Mm-hmm. We are um, yeah. She's my she's my mm, no
0: doubt. Uh, yeah, sounds like she's your person for sure.
2: Yeah, she's uh, yeah. Uh, she's just very genuine, mm-hmm. and I like that.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Like coming every week to visit you, like yeah. that. That stuff is. So that's a sign of a very, like, dedicated, committed human, right? Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah. Right on. Uh, so that's uh, that's kind of what we're going through right now, and it's been very hard, Yeah. you know, just to uh, uh, make it through a day with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, without her by my side. Somebody who, yeah. you know, came to visit me every week and who's help me because like i said i was i was like a caveman mm-hmm. coming out here within the second day i just broke down mm-hmm. i couldn't believe that i was free wow and, i can't even uh, imagine what that's like 33 years yeah. right wow and uh you know it's uh, yeah it's it's uh, so you know but i'm clean and sober I, mm-hmm. you know i'm still You know, living the life that I, uh, that we started. Mm -hmm. I'm still keeping the place and um, I still have good friends, you know, that Mm -hmm. support us, you know, that are here in Calgary and uh, come by and make sure I'm okay Mm -hmm. and, you know, that I'm doing good. And it's nice to have that in my life today because I've never had Mm -hmm. that kind of uh, um, friendships with yeah. people. Yeah, no doubt, it sounds like it's the
0: kind of friendships that you wish you would have had maybe when you were younger, right? Yeah, yeah that's awesome.
2: But uh, I, I don't, uh, I mean, I, I, yeah, I wish I never had those experiences. For but, sure. Um, I think uh, having all of what I've had in my life has made me uh, a lot stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, it's definitely awakened me to mm-hmm. who I am today and that I am wanted, needed, mm-hmm. loved, um, and that I have changed, and, and you I carry am trist- right. yep, Yeah, and I'm trustworthy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and that's, that's the best thing, I think, in my life, as well as being trusted, mm-hmm. you know, being trusted by people around me yeah. um, to not harm, Mm-hmm. to not lie to not cheat steal uh, yeah and that's uh that's something that I've always wanted in my life no doubt is just to be trusted mm-hmm. so
0: that's pretty cool yeah like i and and just as observers so who's just getting to know you you it seems like i'm meeting the opposite of the person you were when you went into prison yeah. it really does it's and i don't mean opposite like just naturally opposite i mean like You've had to go through all the experiences you've been through in prison before and after um, for you to be who you are, right? And unfortunately, that meant other people were hurt as well. And along the way, you've been hurt as well, I'm sure. Um, To be here now, like, I, I can't even imagine what that's like for you. Like, you must look in the mirror. I'm just thinking out loud, right? Like you must look in the mirror and just be like, "Who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> this guy who's smiling, who's you know, who carries." I could just feel the light coming off of you, yeah, right? I've, so.
2: I've I've taken over seventy thousand pictures and videos since yeah. I've been out in the six years. My wife had to get more uh, <laughs> storage. Yes, <yeah>, storage. <laughs> and uh, I bet. but I I see life in a whole different way. Uh, When I look at people out on the streets and I I see, you know, what's going on and, you know, I see the sadness. I see Mm -hmm. a lot of uh, um, concern Mm -hmm. and I see this in people and um, I see life out here a little differently Mm -hmm. uh, than most people. Uh, I see a bark of a tree. I want to touch a leaf. Mm-hmm. I want to experience everything I possibly can mm-hmm. in a good way and find out things and mm-hmm. investigate. And uh, just, uh, I love the smell of freedom. That's yeah, amazing. It is. Yeah. It is. And uh, I mean, like I said, I, I decorate my car. Mm hmm. Yeah. That's, yep. that's I, awesome. Yes, I decorate my car. Yeah. And, uh, I've got lights on all the, you know, the mm-hmm. little decorations and I've got a lot of thumbs ups and honks and, um, you know, it's, I went years without acknowledging mm-hmm. my birthday, um, special occasions, mm-hmm. seasons, uh, until Loretta came in my life yeah. because she's all about that. Yeah, she and brought some light with her, eh? Yeah, yeah. She uh, she brought that spark, uh, <laughs> and I wasn't, you know, because you know this is our first time being separated mm-hmm. for Christmas since you know we've been free together, mm-hmm. and uh, I was starting to get in that mindset of not uh, not enjoying Christmas, mm-hmm. but then uh, I pulled out all the Christmas decorations <laughs> and. Yep. Started going to town with it, and um, changed, changed how you felt. Changed how I felt. Right yes. on. Yeah, so uh, I am without a job now, mm-hmm. um, and I guess that's you know one of the other things is life happens mm-hmm. still, mm-hmm. and I don't like some of the things mm-hmm. that life has brought you know to me. For sure. And they're scary. Mm-hmm. You know, not being able to pay your rent or things of mm-hmm. this nature. But I'm happy that I am going through them mm-hmm. because I'm learning the different ways of dealing with these different moments mm-hmm. in life out here. Yeah, I remember when I first got out, my wife asked me to go change the windshield wiper on her Subaru. Mm-hmm. I go out to the garage and I come back downstairs, and I have a screwdriver in my hand, and she's following me up the stairs to the garage, going, what are you doing with that screwdriver? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm taking off the windshield. She goes, no, she actually showed me how to mm-hmm. take off a windshield wiper, mm-hmm. and uh, she uh, uh, she knew I wanted a chainsaw. She taught me how to actually start a chainsaw. Mm-hmm. and uh, I did arboring for two years. Yeah. You know, cutting down trees. I'm uh, really good with a chainsaw mm-hmm. now, and um, I've done a lot of uh, different jobs. But the one thing that I never had was somebody to talk to. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like when something at work was going on, or mm-hmm. if I was unsure about something, I could talk with her and let yeah. her know. Look, I'm I'm nervous about this, mm-hmm. or I'm worried about this, and. She'd always, you know, help me through those situations where I'd never had that in my life. That's cool. Yeah.
0: And we all need somebody like that.
2: We we do. You know? Everybody needs uh, somebody like that. And, you know, that's one of the reasons, you know, I've been trying to look at addiction counseling or Mm -hmm. helping other men. Uh, I've wanted to, from the beginning I got out, Mm -hmm. to go into... Um because I understand men mm-hmm. and uh trauma. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh one of the biggest things that uh I'd studied in prison was um trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, complex trauma in children and adolescents. Yeah. And uh, that is what awoke in me mm-hmm. because now I have something tangible on What happened? Yeah, what happened? Mm -hmm. And it it was uh, it was called the white page, and I actually brought a copy in, you know, to share with you. And uh, but it's uh, it's everything that uh, I needed Mm -hmm. to find out what the heck was going on with me, and it laid it all out. And it's called The White Pages. Okay. And it's, uh, it, it was almost like a little Bible. Mm-hmm. Because now I was able to go and read about this more. Yeah. And understand, mm-hmm. you know, uh, um, being abandoned as a kid.
0: Well, and what that does to you.
2: And the, exactly. Yeah. And where it goes from that. Abandonment to having a, a mother a stepfather. You know, my real father left before I was born, mm. and uh, he has. You know, he had met my brother at that. You know, several times growing up, and apparently he turned out to be a bank robber,
1: mm.
2: <laughs> which I didn't know about mm. the later years. And uh, but the abandonment of your real father. Mm-hmm and the abandonment of a stepfather having you you know be, you know get rid of him mm-hmm. you know to be thrown out uh with the bathwater, uh and you know not being able to um trust anyone trust anyone <laughs> yeah. or understand my emotions mm-hmm. be able to say i'm sad i'm happy uh Mm-hmm. Um, you pissed me off anything. Mm-hmm. But you know, keeping these inside, yeah. and just, you know, um, just looking at everybody with mistrust mm-hmm. is a very scary thing that you can't trust anyone. I mm-hmm. couldn't trust myself. Yeah. But not trusting your mom, not trusting the people around you, it was mm-hmm. a very lonely, uh, yeah. you know, life, and I lived that for uh, 52 years, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, uh, 47. You know, because I was five when it. But yeah, all those years mm-hmm. of uh, not being able to trust somebody. Yeah. You know, not being able to share who I am mm-hmm. and. Um, and get encouragement and get support. Yeah. And yeah, all those things you are know, missing. Just the, you know, just the, the smile or mm-hmm. the you're okay and uh, feeling like, uh, you, know, you know, that I'm invisible. Mm. But uh, today, uh, I truly love my freedom mm-hmm. in life.
0: Right on. I love your freedom and
2: your life. I'm grateful <laughs> yeah. that
0: uh, I'm grateful that you were able to do your time and, yeah. and make it out. You know, because I know, like you mentioned, lots of people probably take their lives in there, especially yeah. if they're lipers, right? Yeah. Um,
2: One of my cellies did on oh, himself. Yeah. You know, and uh, uh, I and that was I mean because his name was Kenny Solace and he was in there. Uh, you know, he shot somebody. And killed him, but he was he's he would never been in trouble in his life, and um, he was supposed to get an inheritance. So I'm just sharing this story yeah. with because it—I um, wish I had known, and I was angry at the guys in there for not telling me he had a heroin problem. Mm. And uh, and basically, I had uh, given him three hundred dollars the day before because I had cash and stuff mm-hmm. when I was. I didn't know know, his situation, but what he had done was he he was supposed to get an inheritance because his mom had passed away, his sister and brother stole his money, so he wasn't going to be able to pay off his debts. So he went and bought a gram of heroin, went to the uh, bathroom in the kitchen, and and, uh, strapped up a rope up there and hung himself as he shot himself with the heroin. You know, so
0: and what was his name?
2: Uh, Kenny Solace. Yeah, Kenny. Yeah. Wow. And but I mean, it, outside of his crime, he was like the nicest. He didn't belong in there, mm. and uh, you know, it's just he couldn't, he couldn't, he couldn't go yeah. any further. Yeah. And uh, so he still is in my mind every, mm. you know, uh, yeah. but there's there's thousands of stories that. Have happened in there mm-hmm. and you know the good the bad because you you make friends in there and you mm-hmm. have you know fun times and you have serious times mm-hmm. and sad times and yeah but yeah, it's, uh, yeah it must
0: be it must be pretty intense going through all that stuff for 33 years yeah. or for any amount of time as far as yeah. I'm concerned yeah. Joey thank you so much ma'am for coming on and uh, you know uh, as we're talking as you were talking it just popped into my head. There's a couple places here in town that you might want to look into in terms of like employment, right? You mentioned the John Howard already, yeah. um, but there's a place called the Seven Step Society, and okay. they do a lot of educational stuff. So, like your story, obviously, your background would be yeah. in- incredible for them. Like from what I've heard of, uh, there's some of their speakers and stuff like that. I think it'd be incredible. But, yeah that's okay. just me throwing out another option. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. Um, and I'm definitely going to stay in touch with you. Uh, if that's okay. Yes. That's yeah, right. because if anything comes up that I hear about, I'll let you know. Appreciate I appreciate that. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming in and taking the time. Um, I hope you have a, I know you're separated from the love of your life, and yeah. that could be very challenging, you know. Um, I just hope you have a safe holiday time. Oh, Enjoying definitely. your freedom, man.
2: Yes, definitely. And uh, I thank you for having me here today.